This is a Kitty Pod production. Welcome to CR Crime, the only podcast that tells tales of true crime as they happen right here in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt. This week on CR Crime, we formally launch our new podcast feed by looking at a man who led a school district's maintenance department for many years, but left a trail of intimidation and psychological trauma in his wake. Oddly enough, there was an episode of the long-running public radio series This American Life featuring this very person and his crimes that aired just 10 years ago this month on the weekend of November 13, 2010, re-airing after he admitted to most of his misdeeds near the decade's end. His name is Stephen Rauchy. A lifelong resident of Schenectady, Stephen Rauchy started working in his hometown school district in 1973 as a laborer making $3 an hour, minimum wage at that point in history. He worked through the ranks and by the time we take up the story, he had been promoted to the position of groundskeeper in 2003 and ultimately became the Schenectady City School District Head of Maintenance overseeing the upkeep of the district's 21 school buildings. As Melbrook said in History of the World Part 1, it's good to be the king. Rauchy ran the school district maintenance department not so much like Louis XVI of France, but rather a mixture of Silvio Berlusconi and Donald Trump, more the latter than the former. Worst of all, he was cocksure of getting away with any misdeed he committed. In one instance, he went up to a female co-worker and according to the aforementioned This American Life episode about him, simulated flirting with her. In another instance, Rauchy asked a male co-worker to show him a picture of his girlfriend. Presumably finding her attractive, he asked this unknown wag to send him the picture via email, threatening to withdraw a promised raise if he didn't do so. Rauchy then printed the picture and taped it onto a whiteboard with an unknown yet not safe for work caption. He was also known to play practical jokes on his unsuspecting charges and could even be awkward when he brought up his staff's personal matters during regularly scheduled staff meetings. Whenever Rauchy felt one of his staff would go against his orders, he knew when and how to flaunt his vengeance. One year during an annual holiday party hosted by CSEA, the union known as the Civil Service Employees Association, Rauchy interrupted the festive festivities and issued this warning to his staff. If you criticize me behind my back, you'll be very, very sorry, end quote. Rauchy followed through on that threat in one noteworthy instance in August 2001, just one month before 9-11, when he left an improvised explosive device, IED for short, and blew out the front door of the Rotterdam home of Stephen and Colleen Capitamino. Rauchy later said that he mistook the Capitamino house for that of a policeman who lived down the road. Keep that in the back of your mind, as we'll get back to it later. Rauchy also intimidated his staff. In one instance, he lit some newspapers on fire and slid them under a bathroom stall where one of his charges would be, well, doing whatever it is one does in such a place. Rauchy earned quite possibly his biggest reputation and cause célèbre when he was appointed the district's energy czar in 2004. Possibly a title he came up with himself, but who knows. He set out to sabotage Lou Simeone, 
who had held that title, but whom Rachi felt had not been meeting the energy conservation goals set out by the district. Rachi succeeded and set out to improve that metric by padlocking the refrigerators that would be used by the staff at the Steinmetz Career and Leadership Academy. This affected a female staffer at that school who stated that Rachi ignored a note from her doctor, which in turn stated that she had frequent bladder infections and that the medications she had been taking to remedy them had left her dehydrated on the regular. In the cold maintenance office at the Mount Pleasant Middle School during the almost ceaseless upstate New York winter, Rauchy dispatched John LaPointe Jr. to remove a space heater out of the office of Richard Ionella. Once he discovered it had been lifted from his office, Ionella yelled at LaPointe as the latter ran out of the building with the heater. Whatever intimidation and heavy-handed tactics Rauchy had used would ultimately prove effective. The Schenectady City School District lowered its energy usage by 28% in 2006, ranking it at the time the third most energy-efficient district in the state. But you didn't come here for that. When episodes of this magnitude are going on, Staff usually feel it their appointed duty to report such shenanigans to the head of an organization. However, Rachi had wielded his power to the point where nobody felt compelled to so much as stand up to him or report him to the proper high headquarters. Superintendents John Falco and Eric Ely seemingly stood pat as Rachi went on the rampage, as did CSEA, even when exerting power over school board elections. One person, though, anonymously sent a letter to Kathy Garrison, the CSEA regional president in early 2008, complained that Rauchy ran his unit as though he was a mafia boss. The letter also stated that Rauchy was unqualified and demanded that he be drummed out of the union. Once Rauchy got wind of this letter, he called LaPointe into his office enraged, demanding to know the identity of the person. It was later revealed that the letter author was Deborah Gray, the wife of Hal Gray, or so Rauchy thought. Three years earlier, in May of 2005, the Grays found their Burnt Hills home had the word rat spray-painted on their house six times. At that moment, the Grays thought Rauchy had crossed the line and contacted Bob Carney, the Schenectady County District Attorney, then as now. However, Rauchy was still at it on the intimidation front. Gary Danola, then the Schenectady City School District Athletic Director, was frequently denied access to the district's athletic facilities for a year and a half. Dinola complained about this to Ely. Rauchy found out about this complaint and sent Dinola a strongly worded, copyright Jalen and Jacoby, email. For his part, Dinola woke up one morning to find not only his car tire slashed, but an IED placed underneath his windshield. Back to the Capitamino house bombing of 2001 for a second. Rotterdam police determined that Rauchy had lit the fuse of the bomb with the butt end of a cigarette. Cigarette butts, if left lit, go out on their own. This turned out to be the first big break of the case, though DNA was retrieved from something else which proved to be that of Rauchy's. Either way, police set out to make the arrest. Keith McKenna, an ex-patrolman who had recently been arrested on drug charges, was enlisted and went to visit Rauchy at his office on the pretense that he was looking for some kind of assistance, perhaps a job in the school district. McKenna, a one-time close friend of Rauchy's, 
wore a wire and secretly recorded a series of conversations between the two. During one of these meetings, McKenna discovered an explosive with 17 grams of flash powder behind a fake plant atop a filing cabinet. Rachi later confessed to all the crimes which the police had suspected him of committing and was arrested at his office on February 20, 2009. During the press conference the following Monday, Ely seemingly channeled Claude Rains in Casablanca in his reaction to Rachi's arrest. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. If there was gambling going on, it would have been far better, at least compared to what we've been talking about so far in this episode. Ely also publicly stated that he thought Rachi was someone in whom he could place his trust. News of the arrest made him quickly change his mind. Four days later, on February 24th, Rachi was released from the Schenectady County Jail after posting a $200,000 bond. However, he did not go home or anywhere else for that matter, as Skodak police slapped the cuffs on him soon thereafter. Skodak police charged him with first-degree attempted arson for placing another IED at the home of Laura Bala in January 2007. Bala's home was vandalized, and the device was only discovered afterwards. As for the bond... It was four times greater than originally said because Ed Moynihan, the prosecuting attorney, asked for the steep rise owing to Rauchy's lack of ties to the Skodak community. It was also sussed out that, to paraphrase a Bible passage, the sins of the father were brought upon the children. Rauchy's father, Joseph, was arrested for murdering Stephen's brother, Chad, and trying to kill his estranged wife, Kathy, in 1985 when he fired a gun into their car. Rachi the Elder was sentenced to upwards of 50 years in state prison, where he died in 1992 at the age of 75. Back to Rachi the Younger. His trial began on March 1, 2010 in Schenectady County Court with acting Judge Polly Hoy presiding. The aforementioned recordings from Keith McKenna as well as the equally aforementioned DNA sample, were used as evidence against Rauchy in the trial. Ron DeAngelis, his attorney acting for the defense, gave a different account of the events which led up to his arrest a year earlier. All told, 62 witnesses testified for the prosecution, only two for the defense. Ron Chris stated that he and his family lived in fear of Rauchy, and his actions particularly terrified his father, who died in April 2008, and thus was unable to hear of Rauchy's arrest. Laura Bala, whose Skodak home was almost bombed three years earlier, testified that her children suffered untold emotional trauma. Moreover, her daughter was afraid to leave home to go back to college for fear of leaving her behind to suffer Rauchy's wrath. Her being her mother, of course. In his closing argument, DeAngelis stated that Rauchy was a, quote, grand exaggerator, who liked to take credit for things he didn't do. Did that sound familiar to anyone? I'll wait. In the end, on June 8, 2010, Stephen Rauchy was found guilty of 18 of the 22 counts of arson, vandalism, coercion, bombings, and the intent of same, all of which were felonies. He was sentenced to 20 years to life in state prison, but would receive credit for time served as he had been incarcerated since his arrest. Additionally, 
Three years were added on to his sentence because of vandalism and attempted coercion of one of his victims. Bob Carney, according to his calculations, said the maximum sentence would have been 118 years to life in prison. Regardless of that bit of mental math, Rachi was sent to the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora. Say hello to Richard Matt and David Sweat before they break out of that prison five years from now. As the 2010s wound their way to its inevitable end, Rachi was granted an interview from prison with the Albany Times Union. In that interview, after many years of denial, he finally copped to planning the bombs and other such devices of destruction, as well as vandalizing his victims' houses for no less than 15 years. Though he had admitted to many of the crimes he committed, he still denied bombing the Capitamino house in Rotterdam 17 and a half years earlier. Stephen Rocci, who will be eligible for parole in 2032, was living proof of what can and often does happen when someone who works their way up from humble beginnings gets an ego trip and takes many victims with them on the way down, ultimately to fall victim to their own hubris. Thanks for listening to this episode of CR Crime, the only podcast that deals with tales of true crime from New York's capital region. This podcast is written, produced, narrated, and edited by yours truly, Jason Bullitt, also host of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. If you like this podcast, you can review this and my other podcast, in fact, the whole feed, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcatcher of your choosing. Or better yet, tell a friend and those in your circle. That's the best way that podcasts help get promoted and get more listeners. Until next week, stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Raji earned quite possibly his biggest reputation when he was the district's self-titled bleh. Raji later confessed to all the crimes which the police had suspected him of committing. Regardless of it, b- b- b-